Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Philippians chapter 4 in your Bible. Philippians chapter number 4. And uh, as we get started today, I want to bring to mind uh, a couple of uh, prayer requests for you. I do pray for uh, Mrs. Raymaker. She has successful surgery on Friday, and she's recovering at home now, and and, uh, praise the Lord for that. And I want you to continue to pray for her. It's great to have Ms. Wolverton back in service with us this morning, and and others, uh, Deborah Minyard and, and uh, as well. And then I also got word this morning <coughs> that I want you to pray for uh, one of our ladies, uh, Nicole Hortick. She's, uh, she's facing emergency surgery at 1 o'clock today. Uh, initial word was it was tomorrow, but they bumped that up today. That's 1 o'clock. That's uh, gallbladder surgery, I believe. Uh, at over in Pontiac, and so please keep her in mind, if you will. <clears throat> uh, Philippians chapter 4 in your Bible, and I'd like you to stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter number 4. Again, guests, we're delighted, thrilled that you're here, and uh, I say uh, make yourself at home, but I understand that that means different things to different people, okay? There is no refrigerator here, okay? Sorry about that. And I know that's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about making yourself at home. But we do hope that you'll feel welcome. And uh, and I appreciate the song and how it uh, really goes with uh, the theme of the message this morning. Philippians chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number 9. If you have a Bible in front of you or may look on with someone else. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do... And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I want to preach this morning on this subject, a winner's testimony. A winner's testimony. And uh, let's pray together. We'll get into the message. Our Father, we thank you for being so gracious and kind as to give us another day of life, uh, to wake us up this morning and to uh, allow us the health and strength to be able to come to church today. May we never take that for granted. Thank you for bringing all of these folks here today. And Uh, What a privilege it is to meet together. Thank you for the good time we had in Sunday school. Thank you for uh, the fact that we can laugh together, that we can sing together, uh, that we can fellowship together, and we can be instructed in the Word of God together. I pray that you would bless uh, these requests that we have before us, many that were mentioned in Sunday school. But, Father, especially for uh, uh, Nicole this morning, we ask your blessings upon uh, the surgeon and and give them skill and wisdom. Uh, I, I pray for Ms. Raymaker and her continued recovery, and all the folks that uh, that need a touch from heaven, may you see fit to, to be exactly what they need. And Father, may your spirit be exactly what we need in this hour as you instruct us in things eternal. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. <clears throat> when Napoleon went on the battlefield of Marengo, it was late in the afternoon. In his assessment of the battle, he sensed that defeat was likely. The sun was setting in the western sky, and nightfall was only an hour away. Napoleon, sensing that he had a choice to make, his instinct was to raise the white flag and cut his losses, so to speak, and turn around and regroup and live again to fight another day. 
But instead of raising the white flag, he said, quote, there is just enough time to win the day. Giving his orders with his typical energy, his men mounted a final attack and turned defeat into victory. What a great story. The writer of the passage that we just read a little bit ago, uh, of course, is the Apostle Paul, and he was in the twilight years of his life and in his ministry, and he was writing the book of Philippians. Philippians is one of the letters in your New Testament, one of the books in your, in your New Testament, that is known as a, uh, a prison epistle. It was written by Paul from prison to the church, in this case, the church at, at Philippi. And as you read this letter, these are not the words of somebody who sounds defeated. You know, if you're receiving a letter from someone who's in prison or someone who is in a, a, a situation like Paul was in, you might, uh, uh, you might expect that letter to be somewhat discouraging or, or despondent sounding or downcast or a little bit melancholic, so to speak. But the whole theme of the book of Philippians is found in verse 4 of chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The Apostle Paul wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, even though he was a prisoner, Paul was a winner. He was a winner. You see, his being a winner had nothing to do with where he was. His being a winner had everything to do with who he, whose he was and uh, who he belonged to, and the fact that he was a Christian, and he was saved, and he was in the will of God. And uh, we understand, and Paul understood, that he was a winner, and he knew he was a winner. And in this passage, we find the testimony of a winner. The testimony of a winner. You see, he wasn't down in the dumps. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't downcast or despondent. What we find in this part of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi was part of his testimony. I want you to see by way of introduction, first of all, his was a testimony of optimism. It was a testimony of optimism. It wasn't the the glass is half empty. It was the glass is half full. It was, hey, uh, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, I've got much to thank God about, even while I'm here under these circumstances, even though he may have been chained to a prison wall, even though he was confined about where he could and could not go, even though there were some things that he he didn't have the liberty to do, Paul said uh, and understood, I'm a winner, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, and Paul gives the testimony of a winner. It was a testimony of optimism. And may I say this morning, God's people have every reason to be optimistic. If you're here this morning and you're saved, meaning when I say saved, what I mean is you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven. If that is your testimony, you're a winner. And you have every reason to be optimistic. Uh, you have every reason to, to, to be on top side this morning. I understand sometimes the cares of this life and the burdens of this world and the heartaches and all of the things, you know, in, in, uh, in Sunday school classes all over the property this morning, no doubt. We took Sunday school, uh, we took uh, prayer requests and, uh, and many people shared, uh, uh, things that were of concern to them. And, and rightfully we ought to do that. But even in the face of those things that would cause us to, to be concerned, we have every reason to say, you know what? God is my father. Heaven is my home, the Bible is my book, Jesus is my older brother and my Savior, and hey, thank God, it's good to be saved. It's good to be saved. God's people have every right and every reason to be optimistic. By the way, God's people are the only people in the world who, number one, know where they came from. I know where I came from. Hey, I didn't come from a monkey. I know I look kind of funny, but I don't look that funny. 
And uh, God's people are only people in the world. They know where they came from. Uh, we are a, a, every human being is a designer's model. Even those who don't believe in God are a designer's model made by God. That's ironic, isn't it? But we know where we came from. Hey, by the way, we know why we're here. There's a lot of people, they're searching for themselves. Hey, have you seen me recently? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I talked to a guy the other day, he's real spooky. I said, uh, uh, you know, we, we chatted for a little bit. And he said, you know what? I'm searching for me. I, almost, I was tempted to say, I found you right here. I mean, you know, you know I, <laughs> I'm, I'm searching for me. You know, God's people, we're the only people who know where we came from, and we know why we're here. We know what our purpose is. Hey, the Bible is very plain to tell us. The Bible says, for God's pleasure, we are and were created. I was made to glorify God. I was made to please Him. I was made to bring honor and glory to Him. I was made to make God look good, and so were you, my friend. And as God's people, we know where we came from, and we know why we're here. Hey, not only that, we know where we're going. That's right. We know where we're going. If, if you're saved, you know that, hey, this life isn't all there is to it. There's another life out there. An eternal life. A life with no pain and no suffering and no, uh, uh, no school. Amen, kids? And, uh, and, uh, no, uh, none of the cares of this world, uh, uh, no discouragement, no night there, nothing that would ever, uh, 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 be, be anything negative at all. It's heaven. Well, we got that to look forward to. We know where we came from. We know why we're here. We know where we're going. Hey, not only that, we know how to get there. We know how we're getting there. His name is Jesus. Hey, I'm simply saying we have every right to be optimistic as God's people. Every reason to be optimistic. Not only that, Paul's testimony was not just a testimony of optimism, but it was also a testimony of opportunity. A testimony of opportunity. You say, preacher, what do you mean? God gave Paul the grace... Don't miss this. He gave Paul the grace to see his obstacles as opportunities to be a testimony for Christ. Here's Paul. He is, uh, uh, he has been, uh, he's in prison. He, uh, he's been in prison several times, by the way. Seems like Paul was a, uh, he was a frequent customer to prisons wherever he went. Uh, you know, he, uh, he was very familiar with, uh, with the county jail in just about every locale where he was starting church because he'd get in trouble for preaching the gospel and people wouldn't like it and, and, uh, people who were involved in all kinds of wicked businesses were put out of business. They didn't like that. And, uh, and so Paul, he was, he knew all about being imprisoned and he knew all about being shipwrecked and he knew all about being persecuted and beaten and he was stoned and he was, uh, uh, you name it, it happened to Paul and we're talking about bad things. We're talking about wicked things. We're talking about horrible things, evil things. And if any of those things that had happened to Paul happened to us, uh, we would be filing to have our names added on to the Fox's Book of Martyrs. <laughs> but you don't get, you don't read Paul and uh, his letters <clears throat> and, uh, and get the idea that he's having a pity party. You never do. Why? He is optimistic about who he is, about where he's coming from, where he's from, where he's going, what his purpose is. Not only that, he is also, uh, his testimony is one of opportunity. Because here's what happened. He took the bad things that happened to him, uh, those things that we would see as obstacles, and he turned them into an opportunity to glorify the Lord. By the way, that's what we ought to do. Everybody has bad things happen to them. We ought to take those bad things and use them as a means to give glory to God because, hey, 
If we're going to go through it anyway, let's make sure that God gets the glory from it. You see, Paul endured all of that because of his desire to serve the Lord. Now, many of us might say, hey, that's not for me, preacher. We would, we would question God if we were Paul by saying, why would God have all this happen to me while I'm trying to serve him? But that wasn't Paul's attitude. His attitude was, let's give God the glory for it. But this morning, I want you to notice this winner's testimony. The winner's testimony. Look with me, if you will, in, uh, in verse number 10. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 10. It says here, Paul writing, he said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Notice that first line. Paul said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That was his testimony. That's a winner's testimony. You see, throughout this letter, Paul admonishes the people to rejoice we mentioned it a few moments ago, but in verse number four, the same passage, he said, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. And now he's telling them, I am rejoicing greatly. He wasn't telling them to do something that he wasn't doing. He wasn't saying, rejoicing's good for you, but I think I'll just be a stick in the mud. <laughs> rejoicing's good for everybody else, but I reserve the right to complain. Rejoicing is wonderful for everybody else who's going through a tough time, but my tough time is unique and special to me, and so I have a reason not to rejoice. No, no, that's not what he said. It's the testimony of a winner. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. By the way, in spite of his situation, in spite of his imprisonment, in spite of the negatives in his life, he said, I'm a happy man. I'm a happy man. Now, how can you say that? I mean, really, how can you say that? You say, preacher, that sounds a little bit odd. There's one phrase, one prepositional phrase in that statement that makes rejoicing possible. Listen to what he said. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. In the Lord. In the Lord. He wasn't rejoicing because he was in prison. That would be kind of odd, don't you think? Yippee, I get to go to prison. He wasn't rejoicing because he'd been stoned on occasion. Hot dog, <clears throat> let's go get stoned today. Not the way you're thinking either, by the way. For some of you, I saw the wheels turning. And some of, hey, that's not a bad idea, preacher. But anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, back to our sermon. Uh, but, uh, he wasn't saying, hey, I've been beaten several times. Yes, let's go get beaten up again. No, 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 that's not, what he, that, that, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. You see, in the Lord makes everything possible. In the Lord makes it all possible. Hey, Jesus makes our rejoicing possible. There is no rejoicing outside of Christ. Paul said, hey, if there be no resurrection, I of all men am most miserable. If there is no resurrection, if Jesus is still dead in the ground, if Jesus did not raise after three days, if he's not sitting at the right hand of the Father, if he's not ever living to make intercession for us, then hey, why bother with any of this, Paul said, but Jesus is the, is the ingredient, Jesus is the one who makes all of our rejoicing possible. Hey, Christian, lift up your head today. Jesus makes rejoicing possible. Hey, smile a while. Jesus makes rejoicing possible. Hey, you can open that songbook and you can rear back and let her fly, blessed assurance. And hey, the fact that there is a, an assurance of eternal life, why? Because of Jesus, that makes it possible. 
I'm not minimizing your problems at all. I'm not minimizing Paul's problems. He had, but look, he's the one that was inspired to write what he wrote. He wasn't discouraged. He wasn't depressed. Oh, I'm sure there was pain and there was suffering and there was heartache. And by the way, Paul would eventually die a martyr's death for the cause of Christ. And, and, uh, and here he is in his uh, later years. He's probably, uh, probably in his, uh, uh, getting toward the end of his life and end of his ministry. And he knows what's about to happen. He sees the handwriting on the wall as it were, but he sees the glass as half full, not half empty. He said, I've got reason to rejoice. Reason to rejoice. Number two, the part of the second part of the winner's testimony I want you to see this morning is this, the reason for Paul's contentment. The reason for Paul's contentment. Look with me, if you will, at uh, back in our text, Philippians chapter 4 and, uh, and verse number uh, 11. He said, not that I speak in respect of want or lack, for I have learned... In whatsoever state I am, notice what he says, therewith to be content. In whatever state I am, Paul said, I'm going to be content. That's a winner's testimony. A winner's testimony. Paul had been arrested many months before this letter was written, and the church at Philippi had lost contact with them. If you, uh, if you can parallel the book of Acts with some of Paul's writings, you'll find that uh, later in the book of Acts, <clears throat> Paul... Uh, was in Jerusalem, and uh, and he stood before uh, some Roman governors there in Jerusalem, and then he appealed to Caesar, and he was sent from Jerusalem to Rome, where he was in where he was in prison, and where Bible scholars believe he wrote this letter to the back of the church at Philippi. But there was a gap in time there of many months where the the Christians at Philippi they lost track of Paul. And they were, they had been really good to send Paul some things, maybe some care packages or, or some things to help Paul with his physical needs to be an encouragement to him. But they had lost track of where he was. And so, uh, there was a gap in time there where they had no idea of how to help him or even if he was still alive there for a little while. And so they were uh, a little bit, uh, 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 asking Paul for his forgiveness for not helping him as they once were able to do. But notice what Paul said in verse number 11. He's answering, uh, their their concern by saying this, not that I speak in respect of want. What was he saying? He's saying, you know what? I'm not here to talk about what I don't have. The word want there means to lack or to do without. He said, I'm not here. I'm not writing this letter to complain to you about what I do not have or what I have had to go without over these last months. He said, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be Here's a beautiful word, content. Content. Happy. Satisfied with what God has done for me. And, and look, again, this man's in prison. His contentment stemmed from a focus of what he had, not on what he did not have. It reminds me of the songwriter. She wrote many of the, she wrote the words of many of the beautiful hymns that are in your songbook. Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby had all kinds of physical disabilities. I'll not get, in, get into great detail, but she was blind and, and she had all kinds of other uh, mal physical limitations. And someone said to Fanny Crosby, she, they, they said, uh, uh, you know, you, you sure are a happy woman. She said, I'm not here to complain about what I don't have. I'm here to praise God for what I do have. She said, I'm too busy praising God for what I have to complain about what I don't. And that's exactly what Paul was saying right here. He was content. He was not speaking in respect to what he did not have. And I'm, look, if we're not careful, we'll focus on all of our thinking on what we lack, and that will cause us to complain. 
I said if we're not careful, we'll focus everything about what uh, in our lives on what we don't have, what we lack, what we are doing without, so to speak. Now, could Paul have waxed eloquent about the things that he lacked while in prison? Of course he could. I'm sure the meals weren't very good there. Uh, I'm sure when, uh, when, when dinner time came around, uh, Paul wasn't feasting on 12-ounce ribeyes and baked potato and collard greens. Oh, somebody gave me some collard greens. Where's Brother Snyder? Is he in here? Uh, <clears throat> Brother Snyder, are you in there? All right. He's, he, where's he at? He's out picking me some more collard greens. I said no. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, man, they're good too. But, uh, but, but, but Paul, he wasn't, he wasn't eating high on the hog in prison, so to speak. He wasn't enjoying the, the niceties of the luxury life in prison. He could have complained. He could have waxed eloquent in complaining. But doing so might have caused him to become bitter and angry. You know why? Because complaining makes all of us bitter and angry. Whenever I focus on what I don't have, and I start thinking about what I lack, you know, you know what that causes me to do? God, why me? And then we have the pity party. And then we say to the Lord, God, I've served you, I've done the best I could to serve you all my life, and this is what I get. And all of a sudden, we become very self-focused and self-centered in our thinking. And before you know it, we start complaining. You know, if God would give Paul the grace to focus on what he had and not what he did not have, I believe that same grace is available to us. Sure. We're not in prison this morning. Uh, <clears throat> Brother Dave said he's got to be back over there at 1 o'clock. But no, we <laughs> No. Hey, we're not in prison this morning. We don't have the kind of, we're not facing the kind of obstacles that Paul had. And we have a charmed life compared to what he was going through physically. But sometimes when our focus becomes self-centered, we get angry at God. We get bitter. We ask, why God? We, we, we charge God foolishly as, uh, as, uh, Job's wife was tempted to do. Hey, our attitude, our focus is so important. Is our focus on our problems? Are we staring at our negatives? The truth is, our blessings outnumber our burdens. Now, let's just be honest this morning. Everybody here has things in your life that you would, you would change if you could. You know what that's called? A burden. Whether it's a physical condition, whether it's a relationship problem, whether it's a financial condition, maybe a, a job issue. Hey, everybody in this room, there are things in your life right now that if God gave you the blank check to be able to change them, you would change them if you could. But I'll, I'll promise you one thing. Whatever the, whatever the number of your burdens are, I promise you there's blessings that, that will equal to or exceed the number of burdens you have. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Hey, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Our flesh would have us focus on the few burdens and ignore the great number of blessings. Count your blessings. And that's what Paul did, I believe. Hey, it was the testimony of a winner. I hasten and see number three. Not only was Paul someone who rejoiced greatly, he rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Number two, the reason for Paul's contentment was the fact that he focused on his blessings and not his burdens. But then I want you to see number three, Paul was a learner for a lifetime. Paul was a learner for a lifetime. Look with me at something. Uh, look at verse 11. Once again, Proverbs, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, and we'll also read verse number 12. He said, not that I speak in respect of want. Notice the next phrase. For I have learned. Interesting, isn't it? 
In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Notice verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, look at what it says, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I submit to you this morning that Paul was a winning Christian because he was always learning. He never stopped learning. I mean, here he is in the twilight of his ministry. Later in his life, there is, there is far more living behind him than is in front of him as far as this life is concerned, but he never stopped learning. He said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. The very next verse, I am instructed. In other words, I have, I am being taught right now. You understand something? You can't teach anyone who's not teachable. Hey, young person, this is not a, a message that's, you know, this whole message isn't directed to you specifically, but pay attention right here if you slept all the way to this point. Uh, you'll have a really good school year if you're teachable. If you say, you know what, I don't know everything. <laughs> and by the way, let me say this. Let me say this. It doesn't matter how, how long you've been out of school. None of us know everything. All of us should be learners for a lifetime. And here was Paul. It was the testimony of a winner that he rejoiced greatly in the Lord. It was the testimony of a winner that he said, I, I, I'm content. I'm going to focus on my blessings and not my burdens. But it's also the testimony of a winner when Paul said, hey, I'm going to keep on learning. I'm going to keep on learning. Hey, he learned to be a rejoicing Christian. He learned to be a contented Christian. And he was a learning Christian. Paul was willing to receive instruction even though he had been a Christian for many years. You know, we, last Sunday we talked about the need to grow. But we can only grow as we're willing to learn. And as we're willing to let the Holy Spirit keep on working on us. Number four, the last thing I want you to see this morning, and we're going to shut her down and go to the house. Amen. Paul had the testimony of a winner because he rejoiced greatly in the Lord. He had the testimony of a winner because he was content. He focused on his blessings and not his burdens. But Paul had a testimony of a winner in that he was never done with learning. He was always learning for a lifetime. And then the last thing, Paul had an I can through Christ attitude. An I can through Christ attitude. As I was outlining the message, I put <clears throat> Paul had an I can attitude, but that's not accurate. Paul had an I can through Christ attitude. There's a big difference there. You see, the just the I can attitude, oh, that's admirable, but if you're just self-sufficient, if your sufficiency is just in your own abilities and your own agenda and your own uh, power and your own strength, you're going to fall short. But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. That was the winner's attitude. May I <clears throat> implore all of us to adopt the winner's attitude this morning? Hey, I don't know what your week is going to hold. I don't know what you're going to face tomorrow when you get to the job site. I don't know what, what phone call you'll receive this week that'll, that, that may change our lives. I have no idea. have no idea. have no clue. But I can have an I can through Christ attitude. You say, preacher, why do you say that? God doesn't love Paul. He doesn't love Paul anymore than he loves you. Or any more he loves me. Hey, in spite of where he was, in spite of the jail cell, in spite of the chains, in spite of the disadvantages and the, and the circumstances, Paul was a winner because he understood his standing in Jesus Christ. He's a child of the king. You understand, if you're saved, you're royalty. 
royalty. Over in another passage in the New Testament, the Bible says that we are a peculiar people, and it uses this term, a royal priesthood. Who's he talking about, preacher? If you're saved, you. Me. Look. I can through Christ. Paul was a winner because he understood his standing in Jesus. Jesus makes it possible for me to rejoice this morning. I'll be honest with you. I don't do as well at this as I should. I ought to rejoice more. I ought to be even more enthusiastic than I am. Uh, I, ought to, I ought to spend more time rejoicing about <clears throat> what I have versus complaining about what I don't have. I ought to spend more time focusing on my blessings and less time seeing my burdens. Hey, but I'm simply saying, if it was possible, if there was the grace of God for Paul to do it, there's the grace for you and I to do it. I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ. Jesus makes it possible for him to rejoice. Jesus made it possible for him to be contented. Jesus made it possible for him to bring glory to God. Jesus makes it possible for him to focus on his blessings and not his burdens. Jesus made it possible to learn through the trials of life. Jesus made that possible. You see, without Jesus, the trials will destroy you if you're not careful. Without Jesus, the trials would overwhelm us Without, look, I, I, I'll be honest with you. When I look around and I talk to people out in the world who don't know Christ as their personal Savior, people who don't know anything about the Word of God, people who don't know anything about uh, about victory in Jesus that we sang about a while ago, I, I can understand their despondency. I can understand their sense of frustration. I can understand their sense of, uh, is there any hope, the hopelessness that they feel? But let me tell you, Jesus changes the equation in all of that. And we're here this morning to exalt Him and lift Him up and say, hey, it's about Jesus. And He said He came not just to give us eternal life, but life down here more abundantly. That's a winner's testimony. A winner's testimony. Let me ask you this question this morning, Christian. Do you have a winner's testimony? Do you have a winner's testimony? You've heard me tell the story. young preacher got on an elevator, and as he stepped on the elevator, he stood right next to Dr. John R. Rice, great hero of the faith, and Dr. Rice looked at this young pastor and he said, he said, son, how you doing? And this pastor said, oh, Brother Rice, it's terrible. It's terrible. I guess I'm doing okay under the circumstances. And Brother Rice looked at him over glasses just like this and he said, what in the world are you doing under there? <laughs> what are you doing under the circumstances? You understand something? Jesus didn't come so that we could just bear up under the circumstances. He came to help us rejoice in the circumstances. He came to give us a winner's testimony. He came to help us to focus on our blessings and not our burdens. He came to help us to learn to be contented in whatsoever state we're in. He came to help us and, and give us that attitude of, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's what it's about this morning. Don't leave here with your bottom lip dragging the ground. Good night. You belong to God. Jesus is your Savior. Simply put, Jesus makes everything possible. Someone said, it is the I can that makes the man. Actually, it's the I can is only of eternal value when it is followed through Christ which strengthens me. May I remind all of us this morning that those of us who are in Christ are winners. Let me give you a verse and we're done. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We started the service today with victory in Jesus.
that's not just victory in this life. It's also a victory in the life to come. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Victory begins and ends with Jesus. There is no victory outside of Him. You're not going to have victory in this life without Jesus. You're not going to have victory over those things that would bind you and chain you, those besetting sins. You're not going to have victory over those without Christ. And you're not going to have victory in the next life without Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's Jesus or it's defeat. It's Jesus or it's eternity in hell. It's Jesus or it is being bound by the chains of sin in this life. It's Jesus or it's misery. But hey, with Jesus, there's rejoicing. And with Jesus, there's life. And with Jesus, there's contentment. And with Jesus, there's peace. How about it this morning? If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I implore you, I beg you to trust Christ before you walk out those doors. Be the best thing you ever did. Preacher, I just don't know about this whole eternity thing. I'm glad you, I'm glad you realize that because eternity without Jesus means damnation in hell. You say, preacher, that sounds, that sounds kind of cruel. That sounds, no, no. Your sin and my sin demands a verdict. It demands a punishment. And the Bible is very clear to say that the wages of our sin, the wages of your sin, the wages of my sin, is death and hell for eternity. But, thanks be to God, Jesus came and he died on the cross and was buried and three days later rose again from the dead so that you don't have to go to hell. That's the gospel. That's the good news that's here for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're right on time.